This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Total Saints podcast. We are the weekly Saints podcast, your home for all things Southampton Football Club. This podcast is being live streamed on Facebook, Twitter, Twitch and YouTube. Our podcast is entirely supported by our loyal Patreon community. Without you, we couldn't make this show each week. We've got one new patron member who's joined us in the last seven days. So a huge thank you and welcome to Finn, who has joined the Bobby Stokes tier. Thanks, Finn. Now, the big news this week is that Total Saints podcast is a finalist in the 2023 Football Content Awards. Yeah, we couldn't believe it either. Uh, We're up for best podcast in the Football League category. So firstly, a massive thank you to everyone who has voted for us so far. There's one final round of voting and then it's down to the judges. So we're going to ask for your vote one more time. If you're a new listener or maybe you've been with us since the very start, we would really appreciate your vote. If everybody listening and or watching could vote just once, then we'll have a much better chance of bringing some silverware back to Southampton. And we're a little bit excited about it. Uh, So to vote, you follow the finalist voting link, which you'll find on our socials and in the podcast notes you go to best podcast football league you select total saints from the drop down and you hit vote now and it's that simple you don't even have to sign up or register to vote and can i just say as well obviously we announced this on our socials early in the week thank you so much for all the love and kind words that we've had it really is appreciated coming up this week on the podcast another game featuring an early goal only this time it was us taking the lead going to review a decent home win against Leeds United we're all familiar with the phrase a cold wet Tuesday night in Stoke is even the name of a football podcast well tonight we're going to attempt to spend 15 minutes previewing one and we're going to be catching up with Rory Thomas from the Booth and Rawcast a bit later and another home game looms this weekend with Rotherham making the trip to St Mary's going to get the lowdown on the Millers from Danny 
from the New York Talk, which is the Rotherham United podcast. So my name's Martin Stark, and I'm joined by our regular contributors, Alfie House, who is the senior Southampton reporter for The Daily Echo. Glenda LaCour is the writer of the blog League One Minus Ten, and making his TSP debut tonight is Fraser Spinney, who covers Southampton for Analytics United. Welcome all. Uh, underpinned by our TSP patrons, this is episode 245 of the Total Saints podcast. Your home for everything Southampton FC. From dedicated Saints insight to exclusive interviews. Live on YouTube every Sunday and available to download wherever you listen to your podcasts. This is the Total Saints podcast. Now, as always, before we get into the football, a quick shout out for our Patreon community because their monthly contributions fully support the show and we couldn't make TSP without them. We have four tiers ranging from £5 to £20 per month. And aside from supporting the podcast, each of those tiers has different perks like access to an ad-free version of the pod. There's exclusive TSP t-shirts and merch bundles, the TSP FPL. You get access to some of the events that we're organising as well. And there's loads more things too. If you're in the TSP FPL, I do promise we will check in on the points very soon just to see how everybody's doing and if you want to get involved in supporting tsp each month head over to patreon.com forward slash total saints podcast for more details all the links are in the podcast and the show notes are on the youtube description as well so let's get into it shall we saints managed to end their dismal losing streak with three first half goals against leeds united at st mary's great to see the team back to winning ways uh, glenn you must have enjoyed this one finally it was superb, really, from um, from start to finish. It was surprising. I think the mood, you know, before the game from virtually everybody is was um, reflected in our predictions for the uh, for the game. Everyone predicting a loss. I at least went with the draw, so I see that as a moral victory. Um, <laughs> get that out there early. But um, no, I don't think anyone was feeling particularly confident um, going into the game. You know, Leeds have been in very good form, and and we've been um, in the opposite. And it was just one of those bizarre games that the championship seems to throw up. You know, it's a bit like us getting beat 5-0 at Sunderland. It, it sort of came from nowhere, really. And the, the first half, you know, I just think Leeds were kind of shell-shocked by the way we started the game. I think they were surprised a little bit by our tactical setup, basically not really playing with a centre-forward. Um, I think that, um, that, that threw them a little bit. And it was interesting that Alcaraz dropping off the front and picking up that ball was kind of instrumental in the um, the build-up for that first goal. So that was, um, you know, that was um, that was a great start. Obviously, two minutes, lovely finish by Adam Armstrong, which again couldn't have, couldn't have been predicted. You wouldn't um, you wouldn't expect him to stick that chance away, but it was a great finish. So um, yeah, can't knock it. And the, you know, the, the first half just you know it was a little flurry from Leeds, but nothing much. And then the, the second goal went in and that was another performance by a, it was a great build up and it was another performance by a, by a, by a player, Camaldine Suleimana, who, you know, I mean, I'm, I've hammered him hmm. because he's done nothing, you know. Yeah, we me. all have. Half, I think you said yesterday, half, he, he, what had he done to deserve his, his start yeah. in the side yesterday? And you looked I mean, at it on paper and, and nothing. Yeah, but I mean, it, when when you get, players who are very, very quick, like he is, the tendency is for them to do everything at 100 miles an hour. Um, and what impressed me most about that second goal was the fact that he he sprinted into space, got the ball, and then just almost stopped and just waited for the right pass. And that's 
you know, we talk about end product from wingers. That that's exactly it. If you can get your head up and pick someone out, that's worth its weight in gold. And it was a, you know, it's a lovely ball. It was a great finish by Smallbone, just rolling it into the corner. So um, yeah, two nil, and then um, and then Suleiman was involved again in the in the third goal, which again another another finish that you wouldn't necessarily wouldn't usually expect Adam Armstrong to make. It's getting to the stage with Adam Armstrong that yes, he's limited sometimes, but his goal output you can't you can't knock it. Hmm. And you know he's now what's it now seven goals? Yeah, top score. Yeah, you know, one off his face, but you know seven goals you 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 can't knock it. Um, I think the um, the, the, the dubious goals panel m- might have had a look at his third one because the, inis- the initial shot was on target and then it the goalie gets a touch to it, which is taking it wide and then it hits the defender and goes in. So I don't quite know how they'd, um, how they'd um, you know, look at that one. But second half, yes, we let in the goal from the set piece, which is disappointing because we had 10 men in the box, you know, including the goalkeeper. Uh, it was disappointing that we didn't deal with that. One chance for... Perot, who we were all worried about, but he couldn't control the ball. I mean, if he'd made it 3-2, then that would have um, made yeah. it a bit squeaky at the end. Mm. But I thought in the main, we handled the second half pretty well in terms of managing the game. We, we gave the ball away a little bit too much, but we were better when we lost it. We weren't quite so open. You know, we sort of handled the transitions better. And really, Leeds didn't really... I thought looked like they had a head of steam in them to to get back into the game. So I thought we managed it quite well. I thought the substitutions were done at the right times. Um, and in all cases, you couldn't argue with the player being replaced. Some of the ones coming on did well, some not so well. We'll probably get onto that later. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I thought it was, um, you know, I, I thought overall it was a, a very enjoyable performance for everybody for the you know for the players and managers and the fan manager and the fans and um yeah can't knock it really yeah really good um we've got uh, another guest joining us as well tonight uh someone joining us from down under adam saunders is from the southampton australian supporters group um thanks for coming on um adam thanks for getting up what time is it where you are just uh, to put it into some sort of context it is about it's 20 past five in the morning so uh up bright and early to see your fellow saints fans today um it's one of the things we do down under a little bit we uh set alarms all kinds of hours through the night to watch uh watch saints and uh yeah, as you said, a member of the uh, the SAS, it's called over here, Southampton Australia supporter. So absolute pleasure to be on the show. And uh, yeah, thank you. All right. We'll get your thoughts on uh, yesterday's game in just a moment. I mean, Alfie, it seemed to be one of those days where the hard work through the week had paid off. There was lots of talk about all the work that they put in. There was a good um, vibe. You felt a little bit of confidence. And and yesterday it just seemed to click because um everything kind of came off i don't think leads were incredible but we had a, a good day at the office and, and we needed one of those yeah definitely i think when you actually look back at the last sort of four or five games you know the four losses obviously the sunderland one was um you know was pretty distasteful but then you had a week of international break where there wasn't actually really there so there was no real work going on, on the pitch and then you had three games in a week obviously with leicester ipswich and middlesbrough so you know, there was, again, not much time actually on the grass. They were just back-to-back and when confidence was that low, I guess maybe it could all build up. That's not to excuse those performances or those results. But like you said, they had a week on to work on it and uh, I think they, they they flung a pretty good surprise on Leeds, to be fair. You know, Russell Martin, he, he's gone back to this diamond before. There was a period where they lost four or five games in a row for Swansea in March last year and then they went to a diamond for 
uh, Bristol City, Cardiff City and Coventry City are obviously the eventual playoff finalists. And they beat Bristol City and Cardiff and drew 0-0 with Coventry. And then they went back to what they were doing beforehand. So I don't know if he just sees it as something that they can they can go to to surprise an opponent when they think they've been worked out. And now, you know, Stoke won't know exactly how they're going to line up on Tuesday. You know, when I spoke to Russell after, he, he did indicate that you know, he wasn't happy with the second half. Um, but I think the most important thing is probably just getting through it and getting the confidence and the supporters seeing that, that they, you know, they're not going to chuck it in the back of their own net three times. Because there was definitely a lot of fear that when the first one went in, that would happen. Um, but I don't know. I don't think he'll play the same system on Tuesday. Maybe he's just sort of bluffing me so that when, when Stokes see any potential report, they don't know what to prepare for. But I think he might go back to the four three three, which would be interesting, but we'll have to see. Fraser, what have you made of the, the recent run and, and in particular that result yesterday? Because, uh, I mean, four defeats in a row, not great. Five would have been a very different podcast tonight. Um, what have you What have you made of it or what's been your take? Yeah, the run, the run's obviously, it is sort of what it is. It's obviously been very disappointing. I think, like Alfie says, the Sunderland result was, was terrible and the performance was sort of equally as terrible. But there were some positives to take from the other games I think in that period although it's sort of difficult when it's on such a run of defeats I think initially I mean going into this game I don't think anyone really saw that performance come in definitely not that result but I think um I think one of the takeaways I had especially after I think the Ipswich game was um I was almost a bit almost jealous sort of after the Ipswich game of sort of how simple the tactics were from Ipswich from Ipswich point of view in that they're newly promoted side and it was very much about sort of keeping it tight and when we were trying to play it through, they were very much get the ball away and then build up from there or win the second ball. And I think I was quite jealous on the back of that. And that's what I think when I wrote a piece sort of questioning whether Martin does need to have a sort of, not a rethink of his principles because he's, he's not going to change his footballing philosophy or his principles, but just be a little bit more adaptable. And I think he showed yesterday that he's done that and he really did come out sort of an answer as critics. And I know, Alfie mentioned there that he's sort of done that before and reverted to this sort of diamond midfield. But I think yesterday the 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 nice thing about it was we had a really, really nice shape to us and our, our pressing was the best I've seen under Russell Martin, I think. But the, the the fact as well is that everyone sort of goes on about Russell Martin and his possession and stuff like that. And yesterday was obviously our lowest possession of the season. I think we had forty seven percent and which is like to be out 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 sort of out down on possession is surprising. But actually Leeds' main threat yesterday, and I think I think everyone was really worried about, was on the counter and using the pace of sort of um, Somerville, Dan James, um, Ruter up top. I think that was the real worry, and I think that was the really reassuring thing in the second half, particularly that it's it's difficult. Once we went, they conceded that goal, and obviously that's a different game if that if Perot takes that chance in his stride. But the fact that we drop deeper, like we often have seen when Saints concede a goal, and you do worry that you drop deeper and deeper until inevitably you concede. But actually yesterday, it felt like there was an element of that dropping deeper and a bit of sort of nerves, but actually it was almost a neutralised threat in behind as well. The thing I really liked about yesterday was first half performance was excellent in an attacking sense and a defensive sense. And second half, we showed that actually we didn't crumble when it very easily could have gone that way. So we had nervy St. Mary's. And I think um, yesterday really reassured me that actually... I think the difference yesterday for me was the the aggression, but also the sort of the the pride in defending. I think the amount of times that Leeds had sort of bodies on the edge of the box and they were crowded out by a group of players. And one player who I was surprised, but actually did really well defensively when he came on, was Ryan Fraser. Yeah, I think he really did a great job defensively. He made a few tackles. He won some fouls in uh, key moments. Um, not quite sure how Ampadu didn't get booked for that one on on, on Ryan Fraser on, up on the left wing, but um. There were some questionable decisions I thought yesterday. But yeah, generally, I was really, really pleased with it yesterday. And I liked 
I really like Alcaraz in that role. But like um, Alka says, I wouldn't be surprised to play even more. I don't know if this was Alka was alluding to, but a more conventional striker against Stoke on Tuesday. I think Alcaraz, that suits certain games. And we saw him use there a lot in last season of the Premier League. And I think a key reason he played there is because he's not trusted in midfield, which is what we sort of, what Martin's alluded to. And um, he's not, under a number of managers now, they've been frustrated with his sort of pressing because he runs a lot and he sprints a lot, but sometimes his pressing's a little erratic and it's not quite in the what the manager wants. But um, him dropping deep to get that ball meant Cooper and Shurik back. Just, they didn't know whether to follow him or not. And that opened up so much space for um, Suleiman and Armstrong, who started wide and made those runs centrally. And that was the threat in the first half. And like, like Alfie said, and I think Glenn referred to, I think we just took Leeds completely by surprise playing that way. They just they wouldn't have prepared for that at all. And it's nice, it's really nice to see Martin just sort of change it up and do something new. And I think Martin deserves a great deal of credit because he was he was starting to get louder and louder criticism. And actually, mm. I think all credit to him, he, he he changed it and it worked. I think it made I, certainly I think was... it made the whole midfield work. To be honest, just having you know we talked last week about the the fact that the, if the midfield's not available to receive the ball, then the whole sort of ethos of Russell Martin's system just breaks down. Because if, if they don't want the ball or if they're not available for the ball, then the short passes then become more risky and, and it and it all goes to pot. Having an extra player as a ball receiver and also having Stuart Armstrong in the side, who is by far our most intelligent midfield player in terms of getting into space and, and receiving the ball. It just it just made the whole transition from back to front a hell of a lot better with um, the system that we played against Leeds. What time was the game for you, Adam? Uh, did you all get together to watch it yesterday? Do you know what? It was actually really good. It was one of those games that you earmarked for two reasons. First of all, it's Leeds, but also it was a 9.30 kickoff, which is really great in Australia because a lot now the clocks have just changed this weekend. It's a lot of 2am jobs and things like that. So um, it was a pretty good kickoff time. And uh, yeah, it's uh, and uh, even better to see the result, you know. But uh, yeah, really, re- really enjoyed it. And like to echo some of the points made there, the um, it was really exciting to get off to a good start as well. The uh, I love that they. Um, I was surprised myself. I don't know if you guys were that we kind of a lot of Russell Martin people that know Russell Martin from Championship seasons of the past and stuff have said he will double down. You know, when things go bad, he will double down. He actually, I thought, sacrificed things with the system, and he sacrificed. RM ball as we've uh, it's been alluded to by the players that you picked as well which um was really I thought really really cool and good that we can adapt and that he is gonna be flexible and change so it was a um yeah great result for Saints how much of it Adam do you think was down to that early goal because obviously the atmosphere from fans at the game hasn't necessarily been the best we talked about it Mm. um and it can turn very quickly um we get the early goal and then everyone there's a different atmosphere in the stadium and all of a sudden they they can be as he says braver on the ball yeah definitely I, I definitely agree and I think Look, although uh, I'm sure there's probably still a couple of Saints fans that were nervous at 3-0, to be honest, especially if we think back, <laughs> we probably, some people will remember the Leeds game from the Championship probably 10 or 12 years ago, where we were three up at half-time with Quasi and uh, getting, a, uh, getting a goal in that, and that we lost 4-3. <laughs> so um, the um, I'm sure there's a few people that were nervous still uh, to... To, uh, to Alfie's point earlier, it was good that we were really, really solid, though. I think we showed really good parts of our game that I haven't seen after RM and since Russell Martin's come in. So, uh, 
yeah um look i think even now people would be really excited about the next home game hopefully and um it's going to be really a, a, a much greater buzz around st mary's i'm certainly looking forward to uh, the next couple of games a lot more as well so yeah really good i was talking to uh, my uncle who's a really big leeds fan before the game and i was thinking oh he must be licking his lips at the minute like playing saints especially probably even rather playing at st mary's at the moment because of the pressure the team's been under but he's like he said to me he's like adam it's gonna be it's not a good time to play saints it's not a good time you've got such a good team and it's all gonna you know it's all gonna come together pretty soon so um yeah he was uh fortunately he was right <laughs> spoken like a man who doesn't watch us it was a bit nervy in the second half glenn wasn't it and and we can never quite fully relax there's always just that little bit of doubt that starts to creep in um yeah i mean yeah obviously when they when they scored the the initial immediate reaction is always oh here we go here we go yeah (laughs) but when you when you get through it and you you look back on it even at the time I, i wasn't that bothered Leeds hadn't really created anything from open play you know that as, as I said before that was a that was a set piece so I wasn't that worried um I took comfort in the fact that our, our back four all played really well I think it was mm. probably Ryan Manning's best game he had that one little instant the first half where he trod on the ball in the penalty area but other than that I thought he had a good game he seemed to be more willing to engage with the winger than he than he has done in the past so and and I remembered watching Dan James that he is in fact useless he's one of you know I said earlier on about you know Suleimana slowing down Dan James is incapable of doing that he just does everything at 100 miles an hour and usually runs out of pitch he's like Forrest Gump or whatever he just runs into the advertising hoardings he's just he's just not very good Somerville I thought was dangerous on the left hand side but Walker Peters was it has certainly upped his game the last sort of like three or two or three weeks, really. And again, Pazuna was decent, but the two centre halves I thought was superb. Um, and I don't know how much of it, you know, Rutter and um, Perot had off days or whether they just, you know, you, you get it with strikers sometimes. They realise they're getting nothing out of the centre backs and they just kind of disappear. And I thought both Harwood Bellis and, and Bednarek were excellent. You know, if those two carry on playing like that, then captain though he is jack stevens is going to have our job getting back in the team because i, I thought those two were excellent harwood bellis looked a lot more comfortable on the right as opposed to being on the left of the two and um i've really grown to like bednarek when he's played this season because he's a he, he's an out and out defender you know technically he's not he's not the best on the ball but i always feel more confident that some you know when the ball's in the air he's going to win a header or he's going to get get the tackle in he's he's sort of gives a bit of um gives a bit of confidence that we're we're less likely to do something stupid at, at the back when he's there so um yeah in answer to the question i, I was n- not particularly worried other than the usual sods law thing here we go and i was <laughs> at that game that adam was referring to when we um when we got beat four three and it was just grim <laughs> You mentioned a lot of names there, Glenn. I'll get your uh, TSP Player of the Week in just a moment. I'm going to ask the other guys first. Alfie, um, loads of players that that could get Player of the Week. Who really stood out for you? Was was there someone that was uh, kind of head and shoulders above yesterday? Yeah, well, I think Kamali and Suleimana for one, because I, I mentioned last week that you know when I've been in the club and I've been very lucky to be in around training and being around the group a couple of times and 
and just sort of hear what people think. And I, I told you that Russell Martin really believes that Kamalin Suleiman is a genuinely very good player. A lot of people at the club have seen him train. And I think we saw that for the first time since Liverpool. Um, like I say, creativity, willing to just like slow down, like Glenn said, and to bring the ball inside when we needed to, wait for the right moment and find the pass. But just like I did in the first sort of four or five weeks, I'm going to have to go for Adam Armstrong again because I've got my own little fan club going. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> just when he gets the ball in the box sometimes, like last year, he just... He didn't get the ball in the box, to be fair. But, you know, this season, there's been a couple of times where he just, he just does things that I had no idea was in the locker. And the way that I can't remember who the left fullback was, but the way they just sat him down and made the space for him to shot for the third goal, I couldn't believe that Adam Armstrong was doing that. So I'd have to go for him. Standout performer for you yesterday, Fraser? Uh, I think it was a tough one, obviously. A lot of mm. good performances. I think um, sort of echoing what Alfie and Glenn have said there, Suleimana is um, the thing that really impressed me, like like the guys have said, is his decision-making yesterday and actually making that right decision, making that pass and knowing when to sort of run in behind because he has been coming to feet a lot, but he stretched the pitch a lot, lot yesterday. Um, he was very good, but um, I think Flynn Downs had probably his best game in a Saints shirt so far, but I would um, I, I really liked what the centre-backs did yesterday. I think the, there was clearly a ploy to, or instruction to pick your moments to play and if, if it was getting too dangerous, then actually clear it or or clip a ball forward, which um, was was quite refreshing to see after some of the mistakes seen. So I'd um, I think I'm going to go Bednarek just for a bit of redemption arc for him. But um, yeah, I really liked what he did, and I think that has a, the makings of a really nice partnership. But uh, Howard Bellis and Bednarek at the back. It's a great story. Uh, one name from you, then, Glenn. Well, uh, Fraser's just nicked who I was going to say. So I will. <laughs> Sorry. I will. No, that's right. <laughs> I will. I will go with Carl Walker Peters because okay. I thought he. I thought he had a really good game on the right hand side. Now, Adam, you're free to pick anybody that we've already mentioned, but who was the standout performer for you yesterday? Oh, I'd say Howard Bellis. I just look really, he looked so cool and he and he really gave us another dimension with his long range passing. And that is the player that I was reading about that we signed. It's not the one that we'd seen a couple of weeks leading up to that. I thought he was superb and I'm excited about seeing him develop for the rest of the season. And before we let you get back to bed, Adam, have you seen enough, do you think, yesterday just to, to, to keep your positivity up? Do you think we're going to have enough? Do you think we'll, we'll get there at the end of the season? Uh, well, with the finals, what you mean by getting there, I don't think we're going to win the championship this season. Um, but no, I think, look, I honestly think we can go We can go on a run now. Uh, you know, it's really, I think we've got to be really excited about what we've got ahead of us. We've got, I do think we've got a great manager. We've got a great team. We've got a good mixture of players. And uh, yeah, really excited for the, for the rest of the season. And uh, yeah, so I, I think we can go on a little bit of a run now. And hopefully we're in and around those playoff spots at the end of the season with a bit of momentum. And uh, yeah, we can do this. All right. Give our regards to the rest of the SAS. And uh, thanks for getting up and uh, thanks for coming on. Enjoy the rest of the season. Cheers, Adam. Thanks for having me, guys. Have a lovely day. Yeah. Cheers. No Cheers. worries. No worries. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. 
There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Next up in the championship, it's a trip to the Bet365 Stadium to take on Stoke to help us preview that one. I'm pleased to say that uh, Rory Thomas is joining us um, from the Booth and Rawcast. Have I got that right, Rory? Yeah, that's right. Uh, what have you made to the, at the start of the season, your first nine games? How's it going? I think given some of the performances we've been having, I think we've had some pretty decent performances to start, but it's sort of, we've been scoring off of set pieces. We've not been having many shots on target, meaning everyone's turned against the manager so quickly. But obviously after the Bristol performance, we were 2-0 down in 15 minutes and then to come back and win it 3-2, it was crazy. And as a Stoke fan who gets quite irritated easily with a team that can't seem to <laughs> winning a that's to win a game with such a good good team and such a high level, it's pretty baffling. But yeah, difficult. Has there been a, a lot of unrest amongst the fans? You know, what's the general sort of feeling at the moment? I think at the minute everyone's happy, obviously, especially for the young lad Nathan Lowe who scored his first goal in the winning goal yesterday. But I think between our fans, everyone has someone has one opinion and another fan has another, and it sort of they clash quite quickly. But it's still, I see, it, an opinion's an opinion between our fans. But given, I see the win, it, it, it's quite positive at the minute, but it hasn't been positive. It was not positive for the first 20, 30 minutes yesterday. So, did you, were you expecting better things from this season? Did you expect to be this end of the table where you are at the moment? Were, were you a bit more optimistic coming into the season? Yeah, I think a lot of the fans, obviously, I know myself, I, I was buzzing for this season because obviously we brought the likes of Andre Vidigal in, Ryan Mai, and we've we've got these level, these such good players, and with these, the level that they're at, and it's just like you're thinking, right, we're going to go into the season, we're going to. We've we've got this plan. We've got the manager. We've got the back team squad. So I can't see why we can't have a such a good performance. I mean, obviously we played well against Rotherham in the four-one win, and then it just sort of dipped from there slowly. So it's it it was quite shocking. Am I right in saying you had a lot of summer signings coming in though? A lot of new faces over the summer. So do they they need a bit more time? Is it taking a while to gel? Because uh, I know we've had the same people coming and going. Yeah, we so we signed eighteen players. Obviously, we only have <laughs> we only have sev- uh, seventeen now because Chiquinho had four games with us and Alex Neil let him go. Obviously, we don't know the full backstory to that um, as to why, but he's gone now. But a lot of the fans, the excuse. After every so losses, we need we've got such a squad. Half of the lads aren't English; they haven't seen the English league, and they need the time to gel. But now the fans are giving up with the they need time to gel excuse, and they need to be putting out performances because we're at the end of September and we're sat sixteenth with such a good squad. I mean, yesterday we were twenty second, like twenty minutes into the game, and it was like that's we're, we're done. But I think it was. It was a good comeback. Well, we'll get your view on the game on Tuesday in just a moment. I mean, Glenn, historically not a high-scoring game. I think when we were checking the records, was it nil-nil the last time we played them when uh, Pellegrino was manager? Yeah. It must be more twenty eighteen. I, I mean, those those are bad. Those are bad old days, and that's. I mean, that's a long <laughs> the dark days. That's a long, we call that's them, a long yeah. time ago. It's uh, it's amazing how quick time goes because I saw this is Stoke's fifth season in the Championship, um, having been relegated. So. I think it's a little bit of a cautionary tale of you know what can happen. Obviously, the parachute payments to stop there now, so it's 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 difficult once you get 
stuck into that. I'm I'm not really sure what sort of game this is going to be because obviously the the Stoke that I knew um, and that most of us remember from the Premier League days is is long gone. The the Tony Pulis manager for. 10, 10 odd years or whatever and uh, Peter Crouch scoring yeah, the and that's that sort of team obviously that's that's long gone I remember them appointing Mark Hughes to try and change the style and um, that eventually led to getting relegated and uh, and of course you had our mate Nathan Jones as manager how did that work yeah. out for you guys yeah yeah he was um, he was something else wasn't he so uh, so I, you know I'm not really too sure what to expect from this game but just looking at the the league position that's Stoke find themselves in and the sort of slight unrest that seems to be happening down there in view of us having sort of stopped the right a little bit with with beating Leeds at the weekend. I think we should certainly be going there targeting a win. I don't think it will be an easy game by any stretch of the imagination, but if we go into it with the right attitude and, you know, know it's going to be a tough game, I don't see any reason why the the sort of the quality we've got if we put in a performance like we did against Leeds I don't see any reason why we can't uh, really target a win there Alfie you said it might get worse before it gets better uh, I think that was uh, I think mm. did you write that this week as well some podcast yes. last week so yeah. d- does that mean uh, I mean are you, are you thinking uh, that actually it might be all right on Tuesday was this where you thought things might start to to click and gel yeah well when you look at obviously Stoke away and then Rotherham at home that they are more favorable fixtures than Leeds for sure the, yeah. the result this weekend surprised me but I think as Glenn sort of alluded to it's definitely a, a launching platform now if you win both of these games, nine points from the three, and all of a sudden the, the table, the picture looks totally different. You know, everybody's behind the manager, everybody's behind the, the project, what's going on. One little stat that I think they played uh, four midweek league games in 2023, Saints, and they've lost all of them, not scoring a single goal. Um, so they'll need to change that. <laughs> there he is. Uh, we can always sure. rely on them. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that's one little bit of negativity. But look, I, the confidence will be there now. You have to win. You know, away from home, it'll be the, the travelling sport. They're always vocal as well. They'll be behind them and... You've got to be targeting the win. I agree with Glenn. You have to win that game. They're missing Will Smallbone, I reckon. Do you think they stick with the same team, Fraser? I mean, you don't change a, a winning team, or do you think that just depend on on the scouting they do on the opponent? I think it's going to be a very different test. I think, um, I think obviously the back four, I think, remains the same, and potentially, I think, like to be in the midfield, maybe Shay Charles coming in to be a bit more combative in there. I think we will play with a striker. Whether that's Che, I think that might be Che Adams or Armstrong, sort of playing from that that right hand side a little bit. The thing I don't like about doing that is it means you haven't really got much of an option to change it up front if if you want a different kind of strike because obviously Sekumara is not really doing it at the moment and you can't really change it too much up front. But um, yeah, I think he will. I think he will change it, but I think it will be um, not not due to performance at all. I'd like to see. I think Alcaraz might come out of the side, even though I, I mean it'd be sort of not disappointed to see necessarily. But I think he's it'll be a shame for him to drop out of the side. But I think he might drop out of this one. Um, play again against Rotherham. I think it'd be a different test as well because I think um, I think I'm right in saying Stoke have um, Wesley up front. He used to play for the Villa and he's a bit of a lump. So it'll be a very different test in terms of Bahara Bellis and Benarak. And that's another reason why I'm glad Benarak will be there for like like Ben was saying earlier, that sort of physical side of the game. But I think he will change things slightly and I think we will play potentially a different way. I don't know if he'll keep the diamond for this game, but um, I don't think it'll be down to a performance of individuals by any means. It'll just be a slightly different test, I think. Are you confident about the game, Rory? What's the, the, the mood like going into this one? Is it, uh, you think if we'll get a point at home, that'd be good? Or have you you've seen some of these results that we've had recently and uh, 
get get that early goal and, and see what happens. I'm a bit optimistic. I want to go in and think we are going to win, obviously, after our result at the weekend. But obviously, your guys' results against Leeds. I mean, we've got a tendency of scoring off a set piece and then another two, three minutes later, we'll score another off a set piece. That it concedes, sorry. And I think that's what knocks us down. But I'm, I'm hoping that we can go into the game and win. Obviously, I just hope that Harwell Ballas doesn't score because he is such a good player. Obviously, playing so. <laughs> Uh, let's get some score predictions Glenn as we said it's been a while I think it was nil-nil last time there might have been a I think we lost 2-1 as well when Peter Crouch scored last time so we can't read too much into that obviously but um, obviously the win at the weekend was good so are you feeling optimistic about this one are we going to we're going to score a couple of goals maybe keep that I'll tell you what I was until Rory kept mentioning set pieces (laughs) yeah Yeah, that's been a problem for us we're a little bit chronic at defending those so i I was actually going to go for a clean sheet win but i'm not going to now because of that so i can't help but be optimistic after the with with russell martin's habit of sort of going in of his teams getting streaks of results um also the fact that he said that we you know we we can't just use the leeds game as um you know that can't be a one-off I like that quote that he came out with because he knows there's still things to work on and, you know, I believe he will. So uh, so even though it's only in a couple of days. So, um, no, I'll go for a narrow 2-1 win. Okay. Alfie? Yeah, I was going to go for a 2-1 win as well. Um, but I will go for the clean sheet then. I'll go for the 2-0. Um, I know that'll be wrong. All right, Fraser, this is the bit where we just like pluck some numbers from the air because we always get this wrong. So, <laughs> yeah. so don't overthink it. Uh, if, if we predict it, it won't happen. So uh, what, what do you think? Well, I hate to do this, but I've gone 2-1 as well. It's interesting, I thought, that um, Martin actually said after the game on, on Saturday that he was disappointed we conceded a set-piece goal because we've been very good at set-piece the last few weeks. So um, hopefully that, that continues <laughs> up in Stoke, but I've gone 2-1 as well, yeah. 2-1, so thanks. Okay, and uh, and Rory, I'm going to push you for a score prediction if you don't mind. I've I've had it in my head, but I think it's either going to be a two-one win for Stoke or we're going to lose two-one. I just can see it going either way. <laughs> yeah, whenever we seem to predict something, it goes a complete and opposite other way. So I can see it being two-one either side. Do you want to predict a two-one win to Southampton then, and hope that you'll be wrong? <laughs> <laughs> probably, yeah, it'd probably be better. But yeah, I think Stoke are going to think they're going to pull out a performance, and I think the worst we'll do this weekend, this week, is draw. Yeah. Okay. Brilliant. Thanks for coming on. Really useful to get you on. Really good insight as well. Uh, and good luck with the rest of the season. We'll probably catch up with you uh, next time we play, if that's all yeah, right. That's perfect. Thank you. Nice one. Cheers, Rory. Thank Thanks for coming on. So on Saturday, Rotherham are the visitors for another game at Fortress St. Mary's. I think we can call that now. I mean, meetings between Saints and Rotherham as as rare as clean sheets, to be honest. So we need a bit of help to preview this one. And we've got someone from a Rotherham podcast on, which is brilliant. So thank you for coming on. Uh, cheers for joining us. Tell us a bit about your podcast, if you don't mind. Yeah, so uh, I'm with uh, New York Talk, the Rotherham United podcast. We do a few bits and pieces with uh, the players. We've had Matt Taylor on in the past as well. And uh, we generally just talk nonsense about football for an hour and uh, people come and watch it and find it enjoyable. Um, and yeah, so winning format. Me, <laughs> exactly, winning format. <laughs> this season, let's talk about this season because I mean, you stayed up last year, I think, with a game to spare, wasn't it? Did you feel that you made hard work of it, or or, or was it was it really well earned and, and well achieved? I think the start we had under the previous manager, Paul Warren, set the ball really rolling with the season. But um, Derby poached him off us, and we brought in Matt Taylor from Exeter. And uh, he had a tough job. He sort of made a patchwork thing in January of what he wanted to do with the team and what he was left with. Um, but it kept us up against uh, Middlesbrough. 
Um, and he also got us two wins away, which is few and far between this season, I must admit. So, yeah, I think we made harder work of it than was necessary, but there's a multitude of factors that contributed to that. There's a few loan signings, I think, that you've made, haven't you? Um, is there anyone that's kind of stood out, anyone that's impressed you so far this season? Uh, oh, I would, I would say um, Lemakisa from Wolves and Onyedimma from Luton. They're two that have really impressed on the right-hand side. They're very good on the ball, very good at going forwards. But, um, you know, like, like I said, they're at a Rotherham side that's uh, struggling for wins at the minute. So I think that's why they've gone a little bit under the radar. Yeah, they're the two standout loan performers for me anyway. And what about this season? Is it going to be about survival again? What's the the aspirations? What's the mood like? If you'd have asked me in July, I would have said <laughs> um, push up the league as much as we can. Whereas now the away form is so bad. Honestly, it's it's so bad that it's more of a will the away form doomers and just trying to pick up home form, which is a very bad thing to say. But uh, I think if we stay up this season and um, mech the best of the away form then I'll be happy with it and that whole thing of moving up the league table that's out the window it's, it's just 21st and upwards now that'll do so before we get going lads I just want to say congrats for the three points on Saturday um, <laughs> because um, I honestly do think our first away win will be at Sheffield Wednesday that's written on the wall in my opinion and yeah well, well this season we've seen flashes of what Rotherham are capable of you know we've seen it against Norwich where we beat them 2-1 that game was is the peak of our performances so far. We've also seen what the opposite end is capable of against Millwall, where I I was stood in the front room screaming at the telly, effectively. So yeah, this season, just hope we stay up. That's my aim, hope we stay up. All right, Danny, we'll get your thoughts on the game in just a moment. We'll get your score prediction as well. Glenn, we were kind of like going back through the archives again, weren't we, trying to find the last time we played Rotherham. We think 2008 in the League Cup third round. Uh, I know it didn't end well, but that's about all I can remember. Uh, Yeah, Agustin Delgado played. That's that's all I remember. That's all I remember about that game. I think we lost 2-1. It was a midweek game. It was grim. And it was one of those games where we put out what was essentially a a second string side in the arrogant belief that we could just rock up and win. And we, we were, we were, we rocked up and were crap and got beat. So um, yeah, that's the only game from memory I can remember against Rotherham. I don't remember what division Rotherham were in when we were kicking around league one and the championship 2000 and sort of nine to about 2011, but there's no, I've got no record of us playing each other. So uh so, yeah, um, I was interested to see that Rotherham have gone League One Championship, League One Championship. They did that sort of six seasons in a row, was it? And and last year was the first sort of survival. So, um, yeah, so I'm not surprised that this year is a, is is about staying up again. And, uh, yeah, good, good luck to you with that. But uh, after you've played us next week. So, uh, um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, the there'll be a lot of positivity um the, the the danger with this game is that it will be a game where a lot of people will just be assuming we're going to get three points and mm. you can't approach any game like that in any division you know any opposition you just you just can't do that and i'm sure the i'm sure the players won't do that and the you know i think it's a game where the fans have got to stay patient if um you know if there if there's no goal in the first sort of you know first half even even if it gets to nil nil at half time it, it might take a while to to break Rotherham down but I, I see it being a game where we'll we will have a fair amount of the ball and it will be about keeping the back door shut and if our defense performs like it did against Leeds and we we don't overcommit, 
to attack, then there, there should be enough enough quality in the in the front half of the pitch to uh, to eventually make it make it work. But I think it will be a uh, it will be a tough game because you know Rotherham, yeah, their their away form is catastrophic. I've seen it as like I think it's one or two goals this season. Our our form was catastrophic going into Leeds. Things change. <laughs> Things change. So you, you know Things you have change, to yeah. be uh, you have to be on your guard and. Uh, and make sure that you do everything properly. So as long as we as long as we defend properly, I think we should um, we should be okay for three points next Saturday. Do you think it depends on what happens Tuesday night, Alfie, or will they approach them both in in different ways? Yeah, whatever you ask me, I was going to say that I always find it a little bit futile previewing a game that's in six days' time. One game in between, yeah. yeah, the dynamics going to change completely yeah. with the the team and, and the manager and whatnot, but. Um, I think the internet tells me that England won the World Cup since we played Rotherham in the league. Um, so it was 1966 <laughs> in March. Um, so that's, that's your answer. Uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's when they say, uh, was it since records began? It, it's yeah, one of those, exactly. It's like trotting yeah. that out. <laughs> yeah. It's going to wonder whether hopefully the quality will simply just tell. You know, I mean, you will see this will be potentially a Russell Martin game where there's 75% of the ball. I don't know, Danny, what possession stats are like for Robin, but I imagine coming away to St. Mary's, you won't mind if you haven't got the ball as long as the ball's being headed back out of the box. I think um, our possession average away from home was about 31%. Yeah. And I think we've had a grand total of about, this is through the whole five away games this season so far, we've had like five shots on target, hmm. if that. Uh, we didn't have any against Cardiff, so that's fun. Um, but yeah, you're right. I think it was the season ending in the summer of '66 mm. when we last played you guys in the league. Uh, and to answer your thing, Glenn, we were knocking around League Two between 2009 to oh, 2011, yeah. um, the dark days after administration. Right, that one. Mm. We've all been. Um, there. Yeah, <laughs> but I'm I'm really looking forward to going to Southampton. If I'm being honest, it's a brand new ground for me. It's gonna be a long slog on the coach, but um, I'm actually really looking forward to it. I hope the players don't take that actually as well, because I think that's one of the dangers that the club sort of spoke about coming into this season. It's not, oh, we're Southampton, we're massive. But the ultimate reality is that clubs will want to come to Southampton. They will want to get a result. Mm. And like you say, you put sort of eight, nine men behind the ball. There's every chance that that's another one of those Russell Martin games where they finish as nil-nil. We've had 17 shots on target. Your keepers made six, mm. at least, you know, really good saves. And you come out with a nil-nil and everyone's frustrated. So you just have to hope that the quality comes through on that one. And maybe that's a game for Che Adams, potentially. There's been a couple of games this season, Danny, where the opposition have had maybe three shots on target all game and still scored four goals. So you know, I, I wouldn't worry too much um, about the stats. Um, Fraser, just in terms of like the, the the squad, I think one of the things that stood out from the weekend is, is is the bench, perhaps, and the players coming in. We've got that game on Tuesday. We've got this one at the weekend as well. Uh, it, it might be that he, he rotates a few positions, but it seems that we're we're in a good position in terms of the, of the depth and players stepping up at the right time. Yeah, definitely. I think. Um... One of the key things the other day was uh, was Bree coming on. I forgot forgot he existed a little bit. Yeah. But it's nice to see him sort of back in, not in Russell Martin's plans because he was playing in a defensive sort of as a right winger to sit shut up shop. But um, yeah, I think the value of the squad will be huge. I mean, it'll be huge over the course of the season anyway. Two games a week, three games in seven days a lot of the time. But I think we will really see that this week and see actually how. The quality of the squad isn't just uh, if a player gets injured, someone can come in. It means we can actually change things and change how we approach games. Um, I think the Rotherham game will be an interesting one, regardless of the Stoke result. I think if we go Stoke and lose, then the crowd could get sort of a bit angsty if we got a lot of the ball and Rotherham is sat in. I think in their sort of back five sort of shape, um, letting us have the ball, I think it could get a bit frustrated. But similarly, if we beat Stoke, everyone's going to St Mary's on Saturday expecting us to get three wins in a week. And if you don't, get that early goal or you don't sort of calm the nerves and the longer it goes on the more 
the more sort of frustrated St. Mary's will be. And I think that we might see sort of the likes of Harbour, Harbour Bellis and, and Benarat sort of start to force those passes into midfield that aren't necessarily on and the crowd get on their back. So I hope it's not that, obviously. But um, yeah, it's got the potential to be a sticky one. And the more I hear Danny talk about how bad Rob are away, the more I'm convinced we're going to lose now. And I wasn't going to win. But, um, but yeah, just in, in typical sort of Southampton fashion. But I think, yeah, we've got a really good good squad to sort of lean on now. And I mean, like Adozi didn't feature on Saturday. I think... Um, yeah, right, a lot Fraser. of people saying that was, um, you know, he was unlucky to be to find himself not. Yeah, not started. I think he was unlucky, and I think, um, I think Martin made the right change to bring on Fraser and not Adozi. And hindsight is a wonderful thing, but I think Ryan Fraser is a bit, just a bit of a safer option given the scenario. The game was it was three one. I think Leeds, had, I think Fraser came on as soon as Leeds scored in there for Sulemana. Um, so I think that was a, just a bit of a safer option. But I think it's nice to have those options out wide because. Suleimana, Adozi, Fraser, Armstrong, when he plays out wide, they all offer very different things. Um, so it's nice to have that. And I think Adozi, I mean, Adozi is going to play a very big part of the season regardless. And um, I think um, Amo, Amo you played very well on Friday night as well, didn't he? So in the, in the under-21s game, so or under-23, sorry. So, yeah, I think there's a lot of options there and a lot of quality. And I think um, we, we've still got Ross Stewart to come in. He offers something completely different up front yeah. to the other yeah. two guys as well. So I think once we get that all sort of firing, I think there'll be a lot of players that get a lot of opportunities this season. It's just whether they take them or not, I think. Daniel, I'm going to ask you for your score prediction in just a moment. Going to go around the guys first. Um, Glenn, are you thinking this might be the first clean sheet? Um, bearing in mind, we're recording this before Tuesday night. They're not going to have a better opportunity than this, given the way, you know, Rotherham has started the season away from home. So, so yeah, why not? But I don't, I don't think I'd be surprised if we, you know, blew them away or anything like that. So I'm going to go... Mm. For I'm going to go for a, a, a slightly nervy 1-0 win. Uh, Alfie? Yeah, Glenn's got some mind-reading powers today. So I was going to go 1-0. Go go well. This time, actually, I'm going to stick to my 1-0 win and stop letting you get ahead of me. Okay. first. <laughs> I'll do it in alphabetical order next week, if that helps. <laughs> um, Fraser, what do you reckon? Yeah, I fancy this one for the clean sheet. I've gone uh, slightly less nervy. I think 2-0. 2-0, right. Okay, Danny, um, bearing in mind we're, we're struggling defensively, so you know you might you might get a goal here. What, what do you think? Well, I just want to say thank you for all the very kind predictions. <laughs> <laughs> um, because, um, because I see it going one of two ways. It's either you're going to absolutely blow us out of the water if you turn up and it'll be like four, maybe even five, beating Stoke when they batters in the league and in the cup. Um, or will somehow by, I don't know, it'll come off like Jordan Hugel's backside or something and we'll win 1-0, and I don't know how. But I'm going to put my cards on the table and say, you lot, if you turn up, you're going to win 4-0 easy. 4-0, right, nice one. Um, well, we'll take a bit of that. Danny, thanks for coming on. Um, good luck no with the rest of the season, as we say to everybody. Um, hopefully we'll catch up when we play next. So uh, thanks, yeah, for your, thanks for your insight. It's been very useful this week. So. Yeah, Cheers. no worries, lads. Thank you very much. Cheers couple of bits before we finish. Um, Alfie, I wanted to mention the interview that you did um, this week with the CEO, Phil Parsons, sat down and, and had a bit of time. And there's a few bits that, that came out of that, some stuff around the, the FFP and um, whether we could have injected a bit more money or not into the summer. But again, that was more honesty from the club and, uh, and, and some quite positive stories and headlines that came out of that. Mm. Yeah, positive is obviously one way of looking at it. I think the, the, the positivity is that they haven't gambled the future of the club, I suppose, and obviously given what you will have seen um, you guys slightly older than me would have seen to 10 years ago before I was covering Saints. You, well, That's the right thing, isn't it? You don't want to gamble the, the future of the club. Look, they, they obviously, they sold a lot of money this summer, 170 million worth. Um, Romeo Lavi being 53 million, which was confirmed to me. Um, a, a big part of that. 
and they say that they, they they couldn't really put any more in. They are on the edge of financial fair play, but it is in control. Is basically the line that they've offered. But as I was leaving, I was talking to the guys, and they said, you know, over the last few years, the club hasn't really been able to be honest. There have been certain people that have just sort of you know tried to discourage that a little bit. You know, you know they got it under wraps behind closed doors, but to the media. But obviously, there's a bit of a frenzy this summer with um, you know people expecting big money signings to come in, and a bit of disappointment, I suppose, on deadline day when they didn't get that winger, which they they probably had a little bit of room for to get that winger. But other than that. Um, so it's nice for them to be honest with them, and yeah, I think things are you know things are in control, but you you can't really risk any more spending, um, and it's a bit of a worry because it, it makes me wonder what happens in January. I suppose if you do need a bit more firepower, doing a bit more reinforcement, is the budget there? Um, potentially the way they've mapped it, you know, if they're in the championship next season, well, they should be okay. So that's what they're doing. They're not risking it um, in terms of you know going one time for promotion. And if you don't get it, it all goes to to pot. So yeah, it was interesting. It was good to talk to Phil as well. Yeah, the interview was about twenty minutes long, but we actually uh, sat in his office for. A good hour just sort of talking about, you know, he used to play for Woken until uh, Glenn Cockrell actually dropped him from the squad, the other former manager. Uh, he wasn't good enough, um, he tells me. But he's, a, he's an interesting guy. He's from South London. Um, he's a Villa fan for some reason, which is, I thought was a little bit weird. Um, but, you know, he's still friends with all the same guys that he was when he was younger. And a lot of them, I think eight or seven or eight of them were at um, the Leeds game on Saturday and they had to be put in their own section because they're all, you know, working class lads and, and sort of getting on beers and that. So he's an interesting guy. Um, but yeah, the message was that the, the finances are in control. But I definitely think that they wanted to they wanted to try and get the message across that there wasn't as much money as people think there is. But some good stuff coming with the stadium. There's going to be, you know, hopefully Wi-Fi coming soon, um, which uh, is apparently a big thing. Apparently people can't get on their phones during the game. I don't know why you want to be on your phone because the football's happening in front of you. But we've also got access to the press Wi-Fi, but that'll be coming soon. And it seems like they're going to use the stadium for more things as well. You know, it's not going to be just Saints anymore. You know, take that as the start of it. But I'd like to think there's going to be some more concerts, things like that. And they're going to buy more spaces around St. Mary's, develop them. You know, I'm not sure exactly what that means, um, whether that means they're going to try and make bigger fan zones or just make investments in in properties or whatnot. I'm not sure. But, yes, yeah, some interesting stuff to come over the next few months, apparently. It's all lovely to hear, Glenn, isn't it? But, you know, at the end of the day, it's about winning the games of football mm. every week. As, you know, as fans, Wi-Fi at the stadium's lovely. There was a bit in there about yeah. potentially some, some safe standing as well. Yeah. And and it's, mm. all, it's, all, it's all a bit fluffy, isn't it? It's but, right up there with artisan uh, burgers for me. I could care <laughs> less, um, to be honest, about... <laughs> whether there's Wi-Fi in the stadium or not. Um, but, you know, I'm I'm probably older than uh, a lot of the people that go, so they want that sort of thing, then then fair enough. Yeah, it's, it's a, that's of no interest to me at all. Um, I, I thought the interesting part of the interview was the that a lot of fans have been saying, you know, why haven't we spent more money? We've brought all this in. And I, I think it's, it's really interesting to have and a really good thing to have a bit of a reality check. I mean, you've only got to, you've only got to look at the amount of money we wasted last year yeah. in trying to stay up we all know that you know you know managers players we brought in you know that we we just wasted so much we've also had the massive drop in revenue from mm. from getting relegated so it was never a case of you know we've sold 170 million pounds worth of players we're now going to spend 170 million i think that's that's a very simplistic um way of looking at it so i think it's nice to for the club to come out and sort of give people clarity as to, you know, the reason that we haven't done that. And um, yeah, I mean, as Alfie said, I, I remember, you know, what it's like when we went, we went chasing it and, and it all went horribly wrong when we got relegated last time. So I'm, I'm all for um, keeping it, um, keeping it a bit more sensible, but with regards to Jack, one of the big January is another interesting thing. I think, I, mm. I think Che Adams will go in January. So I think that will, that'll free up some money because Ross Stewart will be fit by then one would hope. Hmm. So uh, I can see that happening, which will, you know, hopefully free up a little bit of money to, um, to spend elsewhere. 
yeah, obviously one of the things that was the big part is the 80 million loan that was taken in oh, COVID yeah. in 2020 yeah. to, they've obviously started paying that back now. And I think obviously you reduced that year on year. The Adams one's interesting because I spoke to Chair Adams last week um, and obviously, you know, I asked him, is he going to sign? I asked him all this sort of stuff. And he, he's very, very good at avoiding the question. He's a lovely guy. And it's, a, you know, you feel harsh sort of asking because there's no other career where you'd be asked to whether you're going to sign on the dotted line or not, really. I'm not going to ask you how much you're getting paid, Martin, or mm. whether you're going to sign a new deal or whatever. So, uh, but at the same time, fans, they want to know the answer. And he was he was non-committal in that. And I think in not answering the question, I think you sort of answer it. So I understand what Glenn's saying there. Yeah. And it's when he says, oh, he's been too busy. We've had too mm. much going on. It's like, mm, yeah, OK. Um, Fraser, just in kind of like summing up, I just want to get your your thoughts on, on the rest of the season. And, and, and are you happy? Are you confident? Is there, there plenty to be positive about? I mean, it's been a rocky couple of weeks and my God, we've all been through it on here. So it's nice <laughs> to get someone on and uh, just 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 send to check our thoughts really yeah i think um i think there's uh there's obviously been sort of some concerns about the the style and the, the for want of a better word stubbornness i think martin made a point in his press uh, post match yesterday saying about um if you stick to your principles and it works then you're great and if you're not you're stubborn so which is i mean it's is kind of what he's what's been evident but um i think i am optimistic for the rest of the scene yeah on the back of that result i mean had we lost that one maybe probably a different story and not not so confident going into this week's games but yeah I am and I think we're about I don't know if we're about where I thought we'd be but I didn't really I didn't realistically think we'd get automatically the season I thought we'd be pushing and hopefully have some momentum towards the end of the season for playoffs or sort of third or fourth so um I think we're we're in touch and distance of the playoffs so we're nine points off the automatics which is I don't think it's a bad place for us to be at the moment the manner of getting there is maybe sort of put put fans fans opinions a bit down because we're on like like Martin said yesterday as well we're on the same points as Leeds but they've got them points in a very different way and we've lost four in a row but I think um yeah generally very optimistic of the season I think there's a lot to be excited about I'm slightly concerned about January and just given that it's no secret that players like Sulemana are in the shop window shall we say or have been looking for moves so given depending on how well we're doing the likes of Walker Peters Sulemana they might sort of get that move and it's whether we can replace them or find good enough options in January to replace them. But all in all, I think, yeah, there's plenty of reason for optimism, I think. And I think we're going to see some, we'll probably see some frustrating losses under Martin, but I think we'll see some really exciting and encouraging wins as well, which is all what you what you are, what you want as a football fan, isn't it? Yeah, there's a there's a lot of football still to be played. That's all for this week's episode. Don't forget, as I mentioned at the start, the Football Content Awards. We've been nominated and we still need your vote for that win. Details can be found in the podcast and the YouTube description or via our socials. You can go and check those out. It's at Total Saints Pod on Facebook and Twitter. You'll also find us on Instagram and threads. It's at Total Saints Podcast on there. And as you'll know, if you've been watching the podcast on Sunday evening, we live stream TSP every week to Facebook, Twitter, Twitch and YouTube. We do enjoy hearing from you as well throughout the week so drop us a dm on any of those socials or you can email totalsaintspodcast at yahoo.com if you've got something you just want to get off your chest uh, we're also on patreon that's where you can support the podcast with that monthly contribution just check out patreon.com forward slash total saints podcast there's four different tiers on there ranging from five pounds to 20 pounds each month and each of the tiers comes with those different perks including some weekly shout outs for those patrons in our francis benali and our mick shannon tier so thank you to dave melton mark at 
Watkins, Andy Hollis, Matt Hall, Anthony Thompson, Saints in Exile, Gavin Ford, James Harron, and Nikki Nicholson in the Francis Benali tier. And also to Colt Baker, Dave Ernsberger, Ed Busy, Nick Higston, Phil Cook, Matt Rose, and Nick Reed, who are in the Mick Shannon tier. Thanks, Glenn. Thank you, Alfie. Fraser, cheers for joining us this week. Very much appreciated. Uh, hopefully, we'll get you on again soon as well. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. And we'll see you again next week. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.